All right, so welcome back to the More Civil Podcast. My name is Hawa. I am Mo's virtual assistant, and today I will be taking charge of the show. Um, so for today, we're going to be talking about for anyone who is new here, actually, and so our new listeners say welcome. And the regular listeners, I'm sure you know that we have a fertility project undergoing, and so here's a brief background of what the Facility Project is about from my perspective. Mo will be giving her perspective a little bit later. Um, so Mo decided to, <clears throat> to kickstart a Facility Project, majorly, you know, due to challenges women or couples in general encounter while going through infertility infertility is not cheap it's quite expensive going through fertility treatments and trying to conceive because i mean practically i think i would say a lot of women i wouldn't say all because not all women want to have kids but a lot of women's dreams to have children so and we definitely understand or rather more understands the fact that it could be on the very very expensive side especially when you're going through IVF and all of that so you decided to start a fertility project to help women and support them mentally emotionally physically and financially now the funds are being raised through GoFundMe. We have Nigerian bank accounts. We have dollar bank accounts. So whatever way you feel you can support, please go to our page at the More Civil Podcast and you'll find every information you will need to donate. Remember, this isn't going to just women in the US, it's going to women worldwide in Africa, Nigeria, wherever you are, as long as you need the support. And even after going through the treatments, we do feel it's very important to take care of your mental health. So women would definitely um, go through therapy sessions just to help them with the mental stress that may come with the treatments and all. So once again, thank you for having me more of today. This is my first time doing this and I'm actually a bit nervous, but I think I'll just go with the flow. Um, so my first question for you would be to just give us... You're doing us... great, by the way, and thank you. You did a great job, so yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, so I think my first question would be for you to just give us a detailed background about the Fertility Project, what it means to you, how you got into it, how you thought of it and for how long you've been planning this before you finally decided to jumpstart it this year. Um, great question. Um, I can't really put a team point to it as to when I thought of it. But anyone who's been following the podcast for as long as we've had it will know that I tend to have this tendency to want to build community around difficult conversations. And it's really how I've been able to navigate life and come out 
I don't want to say common because it's still I'm still life in right to kind of be well adjusted because I found that there's always help out there. There's community to be had out there when it comes to difficult issues. So um even in talking about my daddy issues or even with the fertility issues I've had or issues around work, there's always help when I reach out. And so what I try to do on the podcast is to replicate that community because I've been giving so much. So this is my way of giving back. And this particular project, um, the, the most recent one was really for education. This was for my 33rd birthday, which was about four years ago. And then we've had some fundraising to help like people get access to surgery for fibroids, for endometriosis, to get back on meds for schizophrenia. So they've always been like fundraisings we've done on the podcast. But this particular one hits home for me, not only because it's one that has yet to be resolved for me, but it's it's also still my reality. But it's because it's quite pervasive in the way it affects women and men alike. And and I thought, what better time to do it than now? And the irony of it is that it's not actually a good time because um, there's still a lot of pain associated with my own journey. Um, but in looking back from when I started 12 years ago when I was 25 till now, I've grown a lot and I've learned a lot about this journey and I've met some wonderful companions along the journey as well who have held my hands. Um, I've seen people who have, whose um, pain have been resolved um, by virtue of us being together in the same community. So I know there's hope, even though hope might look different for someone like me. This is a plan that I have for the project to shine some line of hope to those that might be coming behind me. And the analogy I'll give is that we're all in this dark trail we're walking and you know it's dark there's water everywhere it's so stuffy it's tiring but then you look you look behind you and you see people just cheering you on and then you extend your hand and you're bringing somebody up you're lifting someone up um in talking to some women who have reached out to me because i talk about this you know not a lot like i want to because i'm still going through a lot of it um i hear things like i'm not myself anymore in fact I had put a post about my most recent miscarriage that happened when I was in Ireland and I had somebody chat me up. I'd not talked to this person in a while and I didn't even know she was going through that, you know. And she said, thank you for sharing your story. I could connect to this. I don't talk to people anymore. I've I've become a shadow of myself. And that took me back to where I was many years ago because I've been there and I know what it's like to feel like everybody's looking down on you or talking about you or maybe casting expressions about you because they think you haven't tried enough or you're so ambitious as a career person or if you stay put, if you sat down, if you don't do as much, you get pregnant and you're able to keep your pregnancy and nothing could be further from the truth. So the goal of this um, fundraiser, in addition to raising money, because we know money can solve a lot of issues, is to help women get that glimmer of hope back to bring a chunk of themselves back because you lose yourself in this journey. And so if it's to get access to treatment, maybe freeze your eggs or um, do a surgery that could help you improve your fertility outcome. If money is a problem, why not let's help you out? If it's just to be in a community of people who are like you, wherever you are, why not let's help you build that community? So in addition to the financial part of it, we're also you know, doing the counseling and the emotional community, um, building part of it. And it's not just me. I don't consider my ex, an ex, myself an expert when it comes to this. If anything... <laughs> I really don't know a lot, but um, I have a lot of people who have um, 
devoted, who had plans to devote their time, they've pledged their expertise, you know, gynecologists, um, therapists to help, you know, people walk through this journey. So that's the goal of the project. It's not going to be one time and off. I think this is my life's calling. And I don't know what my resolving, my, my resolve will be. I don't know what the end goal will be for me, but I've never seen it in such a way that when we help people out, there's a way we invariably help ourselves. So that's my goal for the project. Thank you so much for that. That was so, so, so insightful and quite inspiring, to be honest. And, you know, there was a part where you mentioned um, the snide comments where people feel like you're being too ambitious and all. I can really, really understand that part because it's, I don't know why people have to, sometimes it actually baffles me as to why people have to judge Yes, judge would be the right word. Why people have to judge women trying to conceive? Because I don't know. Um, I'm a very spiritual person, so I like to believe that God's time yeah. is the right time, if that makes any sense. Because you have no idea what I'm going to see myself as an example. You have no idea what I am going through. It's not like I'm trying to get pregnant, by the way, but just to give a the proper scenarios to anyone listening and all you have no idea what mm-hmm. i'm going through physically mentally emotionally <laughs> work and being ambitious going for you know trying to further my studies through phd masters whatever it may be it could be the perfect escape for me and i think this night comments in fact i know it's it has to do with virtually everyone and every Mm. but I think it's very particular to the African and Nigerian because in their head it's like why can't you why can't you just sit in one place and just focus on giving us a child because I've had a family member who had to go through that so I can a little bit kind of relate to that aspect so thank you so much for sharing your story on that thank you um, thank you so now to go very into this um i think the first question i would have for you would be to ask right um facility challenges are no joke at all and they could take a toll on you physically emotionally and mentally um and I know that there was an episode, not just an episode, actually, you've mentioned a lot that you always knew you were going to adopt before you before you got married, before you decided to settle down and all. When did you exactly make up your mind? I mean, I would like to think that you had no idea that you had fertility challenges or difficulties and all so what was that thing like what was the pushing factor that motivated you to decide oh as soon as i get married not necessarily as soon but when i whenever i decide to get married and settle down i would really 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 love to adopt a child what pushed you to that was it i mean i know that there could be so many factors um and i know you didn't really fully grew up in Nigeria you traveled to for that studies but you had quite a lot of your childhood here 
So was it the fact of, you know, seeing children being raised in the slum area or, you know, kids going through traumatic childhood based on their economic and social conditions? So what was it really for you? Mm. Good question. And the um, reasons you gave could... That that wasn't definitely applicable to me, because as you grew up in Nigeria, the way I grew up, you know, we didn't grow up super rich. I grew up in a kind of mixed environment where you had the haves and the have-nots. And by looking at a child and seeing that their parents don't have much, I I, I couldn't come to you can't come to a swift conclusion that or oh, taking that child away from the parents would be the best, you know. Um, at the very least, if there's a safe environment, whether they have money or not, that's a good thing. So. Even though they might not be doing well socioeconomically, it's not still a good reason to take a child away and give it to somebody else that has money. Um, I just kind of knew. It's, I hate to sound cheesy. I, I just knew adoption was going to be in my path. Ever since I was as young as I think eight or nine. And I remember I would tell my mom, I'm going to adopt. And of course, as an Nigerian mom, she'll go, oh, God forbid, you know, you have your kids. And <laughs> when I would say I wanted to adopt, it wasn't like saying that was all I was going to do. Like, I didn't want to have my kids, but I always knew adoption was going to be in my process. Now, fast forward to when I started practicing as a pharmacist and I was working in a hospital setting and it was a setting where I could, you could read clinical notes and see patients, you know, who were there for whatever reason. And it also helped you to kind of make sure that you're not giving them the wrong drugs and all that. And there was a way I, my heart just kind of, something talked at my heart screen whenever I would see women who are, you know, are trying to conceive, maybe they came to pick their IVF meds and all that. There was a special kind of um, attention I paid to listening to them and also how I just warmed up to them, especially than my other patients. And this was way before I got married. You know, I didn't know what my journey was going to be like then. And even in where I grew up in my environment, like we had neighbors who, um, they would call them Iyawo. And calling you Iyawo many years after you've gotten married is almost like a status designator, like, you don't have kids, so they'll call you your forever a bride, which mm-hmm. might be quite um, uh, a term of endearment, but it's also a stark reminder of what you don't have. So yeah. I remember this particular Yawo that, you know, she, she was very pleasant and she was one of my favorite aunties, you know, my neighbors that I just, you know, always just, anytime the little kids went to play around, I would just stop by and say hi to her. And, but whenever you weren't looking at her, I could see the sadness just shift, you know, when she's seen other kids play. And for the longest time, she was called Yawo. Uh, I don't think she ever had kids by the time we moved away. But in our culture, you know, Yawo, then you transition to mommy something, like mommy Ari or mommy Diamond Lola. So it was things like that. And of course, when I got married, even before I got married, I had to undergo surgery because I had cysts in my ovaries that, had, that I had to take out. And one of the recommendations by the surgeon then was, oh, get married in time so you can start having kids because of this, you know, cyst you have around your ovaries. And I got married two years afterwards because, you know, I wasn't going to rush a man to marry me just because I was saving my ovaries. But I still was still hopeful. Like, I didn't think it was going to be that difficult for me to get pregnant, right? And then we get pregnant, we get married, and then because I, I got married in June, I got to school in August, so I, my husband and I had planned that, oh, you know what, let's just wait until two years before I start having kids so I can get accustomed to grad school life. And then came the health issues, you know, the cysts came recurring and there was a lot of pain and went through a lot of surgeries. So, and even in those painful moments, adoption was the least of my mind. 
let me let you know. And so, and I'm always very careful. And I think people also need to be very careful how you suggest adoption to people who are trying to conceive. It might be the furthest thing on their mind. It's not like you don't know that option. It's almost like rubbing salt into wound. Let them come yeah. at it. Let them come to that conclusion, you know, on lovingly and yes, and organically. Do not keep suggesting it to them. Even so, like, so, like, even for us who are now parents by, um, through adoption, I don't preach that, you know, willingly to anybody just around me because adoption has a grief to it. And we're so grieving that, you know, um, our daughter's um, life has been woven into us and we're very thankful to that. But there are a lot of questions in the future we have to answer to. And there's a lot of support we have to provide to her. And because we're still trying to navigate our own biological pathways to parenthood and the joy we have, we feel by having our daughter is sometimes commensurate to the grief we feel by not having, you know, our own um, issues being resolved. So let's be very careful how we talk about adoption and, you know, recommending to people. But when it finally came to it, I'd forgotten about my dream to adopt, actually, because the grief had consumed me. I had become a shadow of myself. I was I had sunk in deep into depression and then coupled with the surgeries I've had. So every year at the point I was having one to two surgeries to save my life, you know, from recurring wow. ovarian cysts. And every time I'll go through IVF, it will flare up my own hormones. I'll have a lot of fluid built up around my, you know, abdominal cavity. I'll go in for laparoscopies so I drain them. Like if I were to strip for you right now, which I wouldn't do, I have like holes all over my stomach from, you know, the robotic piercings to kind of save my life. So I know what I've gone through. My body has kept those scars. My body has, um, they keep those cars, you know. And so if people see you and go like, oh, you know, you're not trying as hard. And I'm like, you have no idea what I've gone through to, you know, keep presenting my my body as a subject to science to do this medical exploration. And it's not from the lack of trying. And I'm married to a medical doctor. I'm well learned. You know, we've had, we've, we've gone through a, pop, a time of not having the means to having the financial means to pursue anything we wanted to pursue. And it's still not working for us. And I know there are many women that fall into our category. So don't say, oh, if you try this, if you try that, we've probably tried everything you're talking about. It's just that for women like us, sometimes the path isn't quite as straightforward. So for me, adoption um, was a dream. And then I lost the dream. But I thank God for my husband. He was one that reminded me, hey, babe, let's consider doing this. I know you've dried a lot. Let's take it from here. And that meant a lot to me because as an African man, as you can imagine, even the very first time I told him about adoption, he looked at me like I was telling him like something very horrible. <laughs> and he's so yeah. peace loving. My husband is very chill. I'd never seen him just be that, like almost like angry at me for suggesting adoption. But he was, it took like two, three years after that conversation for him to say, Babe, let's do that. I like, do what I don't like. What happened? And I'm like, you know, I don't want to do it. But he he encouraged me. He provided means, and I said that if not for him, I don't think we'll have had our daughter. Because I gave up. I gave up because it was just like there was no way it was going to happen for us that way. But here we are. So for us, it was just it was a dream I had. I'd known it was in my path, but I forgot about it because the grief and the sadness and the triumphs and the trials. The trial, sorry, had overcome me, but my husband reminded me of that dream. And I'm thankful for where we are right now. Oh, wow. Wow, that was a lot to take in. Um, Before I go on, I'd really just like to say that you're so strong. Because... The whole 
as you were talking, I could literally imagine the, the holes. And I can only imagine. I can't feel the pain. I can't. I can't necessarily feel exactly what you feel, actually. But I can only imagine, you know, how hard it has been. Because I don't even know what to say. It's just very. It's a lot to take in, and I'm so sorry yeah. for your struggles. I'm so sorry for your your pain. But personally, I think I would say the scars are bad so scars. Mm. Um, I think I like to think of them that way. I can only think. Right. I'm still very oh, thank young. you. I'm still it's okay. <laughs> So Thank you. yeah, so I think I would say that you're bad to spars and as hurtful as it may be, I think it's I think it may help sometimes to just look at them and feel oh wow yes, I did that. And Thank by you. special grace of God, I will have mine. I don't know when it's going to be, I don't know how it would happen. But I would have my, I would have my rainbow baby. Thank you, and thank you, Howard. <laughs> you're welcome. And you know, I can't wait to be there too and <laughs> see the little <laughs> mini mo. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, um, okay, you've actually answered a couple of my questions, honestly. With that's one big question. Oh. Um, there was okay. There was a particular. Um, there was a part where you know, okay, I'm just going to go into this. Um, breaking the norms of the typical African Nigerian woman, um, the mm-hmm. sort of stereotype attached to women going through this. Um, to me, I find it very unfair a lot of times, especially when I read stories about the things women have been through in the hands of their in-laws, you know, the society at large, family, friends, and all. Because for me, it's like, why do we have to put the blame on the woman? Uh. I know largely, like a, a large percentage of times, it's something that has to do with the woman's body or something but more often than not it's a couple problem Mm -hmm. it's a husband and wife issue so it really baffles me sometimes why the blame falls on only the woman i mean we are married for a reason so it's and sometimes men actually the husbands actually put the fault on the woman knowing fully well that they're the ones with mm-hmm. the issue with the challenge so we just ask, ask how have you been able to break that norm i would say you have broken it in my opinion so how have you been able to break the norm of the stereotype and all have you ever faced any so to say in-law challenges or pressure surrounding that and how have you been able to overcome them if any because you know, sometimes going to family functions, a few of these I've actually seen myself with people mm. I know. Going to mm. family functions, you know, you start to hear snide 
yeah. very very annoying and irritating and unnecessary comments as to why you know why you're here to conceive and it's like i'm sorry to be mean but it's you know like can you just hold things can you just not say anything you mm. have no idea what i'm going through you have no idea what we are going through mm-hmm. so can't you just look and just shut up you, you really mm-hmm. don't have to say anything it's not necessary <laughs> i yeah. i like to think that way and I, I think sometimes my mom says i'm very mean because i'm <laughs> i'm very okay we have four and i don't like i think out of everybody i'm i'm my immediate younger brother but i'm the first child by the way and okay. we don't <laughs> like people and it's very well known and we don't like people coming into our space so when i say something i'm not comfortable with especially with a family member saying something to another family member that i feel like it's just very insensitive half the time mm. i speak up and my mom says i'm very wicked she she, she calls me a jerk sometimes well, because a lot of them don't like me because i will say the truth i don't care it may sound disrespectful sometimes i try to be cautious of how i say things but i make sure i put it out there because it's not right so i'm sorry for deviating but please how have you been able to break these norms and what are the challenges you've faced have you ever faced in law issues because i know it's very very typical yeah in the nigerian um, culture it's very very typical so have you ever faced it how have you been able to overcome the pressure and all of that yeah mm. it's a very good question Howard. and i and i think you should keep being yourself because the world needs more people who can speak up for them because um, when you get to that space where you feel like you're just so overwhelmed yeah. by grief there's a way you kind of change you're not quite as vocal as before so imagine someone having an advocate in you i think that's great so stick to that okay it's and keep that trick going i like people like that um as i grow older the older i get the more i i learn about my reflection about how I interact with people. And there's one thing, especially for those that are family or by extension, family by marriage, I always want to see the best and the good in them. Even when they say things that are not very helpful or, or they're contributing to my stress. Um, and one of the things I always say is that, is it coming out of love? Like, does this person care about me? I think about that question. And then Moving forward, what kind of relationship do I want to have with this person? If there's a conversation to be had to improve our relationship, then I will have it. If it's a one-off, you know, kind of interaction, then I'm going to forget about you. You know, you're not going to be worth the airspace. I'll say generally, I've had very supportive um, in-laws. I don't feel pressure coming from them. And perhaps it's it's a couple of things. They're great people. And then I'm also far away from home. So not living in Nigeria um, definitely gives me that protective factor. Yes. And I didn't know how good it was until my friend the other time for me, who was on the podcast, reminded me of that. And I'm not saying that if I were in Nigeria, I would still, you know, isolate myself and, you know, buffer myself because I do know that you cannot stress me out. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like you, you know, I will, I'm the first child as well. You cannot stress me out. If it's to call you out, I'll call you out. Uh, but ironically enough, the most times I struggled with this familial, um, pressure was for my mom my mom actually and my mom is very sweet I love her uh, she's very godly she cares about me and being the first child and the only child and for the longest time I was the only married one 
I imagine she was under some form of pressure because all of her sisters have had grandkids. And so there was a lot of pressure that was coming from her. And initially it rubbed me off the wrong way. But I remember talking to my therapist about me, about it. And she made me almost like wear her, be in her shoes. Like imagine what she could be going through. Like, let's put your pain aside. Let's think about what mom or grandma might be going through. And that helped me understand her better. So I sat her down and I said, see, I know you care about me, but when you do this, this is how it affects me, you know? And, and I guess for her, she had to put on the pressure because she did, she didn't feel like I was being pressured enough, but I wasn't telling her a lot of things I was going through again because of the physical distance between us. And there's only so much you can emote over the phone or on WhatsApp calls. And I think since we had that conversation, she's been very, very supportive. And the conversation was, it was a tough one. It wasn't an easy one. I think it went along the lines of, if I never have kids, am I not going to be woman enough to you? And it was very shocking for her to hear it, but I had to have this conversation with her. And we're in a better place now where, you know, because for me at the point, I felt like all the time she would call me was to ask, how far? How what are you guys doing? Has it, you know, almost like, <laughs> mom, why not ask me how my day was or what was the worst part of my week or the best part of my day? And I think that kind of put a lot of fracture in our relationship. But we're you know, slowly mending it. And all that to say, I knew she had good intentions, but the delivery was putting a lot of stress on me. So for women who might be in my shoes, maybe not quite in my shoes, maybe feeling some form of familiar pressure, there's only so much flies you can bat away from you. Maybe building yourself up in such a way that you are insulated. So lean into your community. If you're able to have these conversations with those family members, do it. I know if it's your mother-in-law, there's only so much you can do because of the dynamic between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. Uh, maybe using your spouse. Hopefully they are um, emotionally intelligent enough to stand in the gap for you and be like, mom, please stop stressing my wife out, you know, and, and, or even maybe seek, a, seek, a, seek help or seek a therapist on how to word those kind of questions. Um, but yeah, um, for me, that has been my own um, journey. And even aside from that, I think one of the pervasive things was the pressure that came from inside, right? Because I was used to a streak of successes. Everything I did was successful except this, right? And so there's still that trying to come out of feeling less than, you know, there's, I've, I've always just made my goals, even as a child, like, you know, going through school, acing all of my grades and doing well in career. So there's this, this part of my life that just stood out awkwardly. Like, what, what the heck is going on? So that was actually another sort of pressure point for me. Like you're having this success in every area of your life except this. So that also made me feel less than and made me feel kind of muted in some areas. And so I don't know there was some external pressure. Um, and I've I've gotten some snide remarks, you know, from, oh, oh you travel too much. Maybe if you sat down at home or you get pregnant. Oh, uh, have you thought about, yeah, yeah. I've I've had, I've had from well-meaning people, from well-meaning people. And they weren't saying it to kind of make me feel, make, make, make it be in a deriding way. But of course, the message came out almost like maybe... Could it, like what the heck is going on could it be this could it be that all that to say again I try to seek the best in others but when I feel like this co- message is coming on too much then the conversation needs to be had and I feel like that's where a lot of women get stuck because it's so overwhelming already what they're going through and having to have these tough conversations can even throw them off you know the ledge so yeah um, that's been my own experience so far but I love your questions by the way Oh God, 
Thank you so much for shedding more lights on that. Um, I hope you can hear me though. <laughs> Very well, clearly, yeah. Okay. Um, the part where you mentioned the mother-daughter dynamic, uh, I think due to the difference in era, um, I don't know what era I would call her, but you are a millennial, right? I'm a millennial. Because <laughs> I think those are the new terms now. So. Yeah, I'm a millennial. I'm like stuck between the analog life and digital. I'm a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think I would say, you know, especially due to how things were back then and now. So that I would say that was probably part of the things that factored into her pressure, her putting so much pressure on you and all of that. But then again, um, now on the issue of motherhood, right, I'm still going to come back to the fertility thing, but I think I just want to turn the things down in little bits. On the issue of motherhood, how important would you say it is for mothers to have to be like a soft landing for their kids? Kind of like a safe space, if you would call it that. Mm. Um, oftentimes, you know, uh, how exactly do I go about this? Okay. Now, growing up, um, of course, being the first child of four kids, I, I'm trying to set myself as an example anyway, just to make things a little bit easier so people can have can understand very exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, growing up, I'm the first of four kids and there has been a lot of pressure, I'm not going to lie. But how... Oh, much? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um... It's been a lot of pressure, but I think one thing I would say that really stood out for me was the fact that my mom has always been my best friend growing up. And, you know, at some point, while I was in secondary school, my classmates would literally tell me to my face that they were so envious of mm. the relationship I had with my mom. Because it was very glaring. As long as you know me, there's no way my mom wouldn't chip into our conversation at one point or the other. At one point or the other, that's how close of a bond we have. At some point, we had issues. Yes, the typical mother-daughter thingy. And, you know, for some time, I felt like I was being put under so much pressure that wasn't necessary as a first female child. Because I think there's a lot of... I would really say that there's a lot of... I don't know if I should call it a burden. That may be too strong of a word but there are lots of expectations that come with being a female first child you have to be a mother from a very 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 early age now i would like to ask i don't know how many siblings you have but how has this factored into your relationship with your mom on the issue of motherhood and what are the things you would like to take from it and implement into yourself and building that very close and tight bond with Ari while she grows up 
How are you bringing out all this? This table you are bringing out today. We need extra capital for it. Wow, that was a very um, deep question. And so I have two siblings. Um, I'm the first of three. I have two brothers. I'm the only girl. And like I said earlier, the relationship with my mom was strained. Again, not because of a huge fight. I just felt like with what I was going through and the pressure she was on and how we're both attacking the problem but with different approaches right but it's conversations we had and like i said we're slowly building towards that i think it's very important for moms to be strong allies for their kids and and i think it's that thing sometimes where moms tend to want to chastise their kids or put pressure on them so it won't be as if nobody's putting pressure on them you know but pressure is not needed because guess what for people who are going through this, we have immense pressure already. You know, even if there's no, we're generating it. We're never out of pressures being generated. Um, there was one time I, I had an epiphany not too long ago about how in this quest of motherhood, I'd forgotten what it's like to be mothered by somebody, right? Now, not because my mom is in there. Again, we don't live in the same space. She lives in Nigeria, I live in, in, in the U.S. So there's only so much mothering she can do from afar. And I don't have, I have, I'm surrounded by moms every now and then, but it's not like they're living with me and I need a hug or someone just patting my hair down or rubbing my back and telling me it's going to be okay. I've not had that for a while. And coupled with just the stress of trying to get pregnant, I had lost, lost myself along the way. And it was having my daughter that made me realize just how much I'd lost because that's the beautiful thing about being a mom. Like your what you're giving to your child has to come from a place of what you've been given. Right. Yeah. And, and I realized that man, I'm missing this strong confidence in my mom. So mothering my daughter has helped me really understand my own mom better. And because there's always going to be that misconception. There's always going to be the things that you felt like, oh, um, they could have done. And now I'm also learning more about grace, you know, giving grace to people around you. And so for moms who might be listening to this, rather than just always focusing on the problem, like when are you guys getting pregnant? Have you guys seen the doctor? What are the doctors saying? Just asking, how are you doing today? My child, have you eaten? What's been the best part of your day? Just something to take my mind away from the problem. You know, and you'll be surprised just what kind of conversations can come out of that. If I feel like you're not always focusing on the problem, I'm more likely to talk to you because I'll find an ally in you. So that's one thing I would like to encourage parents to do. Help us remember a time when we were once kids, you know, when life was seamlessly easier. Like helping us restore some form of identity because we lose that on our way to this motherhood path. And I can't even put into words the stress that comes with, you know, this path towards motherhood. That's what I would like to say to parents. Like, please, please be a soft landing spot. It helps to, um, it helps to emotional support. It helps to normalizing just, you know, what it's like to be human. And it's almost like taking to that recovery point. So whenever you, I don't know if, pieces to still do this whenever your computer is acting weird you can restore it to a previous recovery point to kind of take it back to a point where your laptop was didn't have that blue screen of death that's what parents can do for their kids 
to a recovery point where you felt nurtured, you felt safe, and it's taking you away from that problem. Because guess what? When you're on your bed at night, you might still go back to that spot. But what's going to be protective is, oh, I'm loved. My mom loves me. My dad loves me. I'm supported. So the this thing is not such as powerful as before. That's what I would like to encourage parents. We know you do care, but here's additional ways you can best support us. So yeah, that's what I would like to say. Thank you so much for that. This conversation is is a lot. Focus like um, and I can't imagine how how difficult it may be for you to talk about these things. But I think. With those, the, the part where you mentioned um, where you mentioned that you can only give back what you got as yeah. a child I think that really resonated well with me because I would say that part is really true um, but I think from your story and I'll relate it a little bit with my mom's is in a sense that she did, she she as well didn't have a very close relationship with her mom which is also my grandma mm. but I think from I can see a lot of similarities between you both that's why I'm pointing this out mm. she also made sure she didn't want to um she didn't want to have that loose bond with we are kids yeah. growing up. We're two yeah. girls and two boys, by the way. So mm. I know for a fact that she has been very intentional with all of us. So yes, to mothers out there, out just as Mo said earlier, I would really just love to emphasize the need for you to be there as a parent not just giving birth to your child and leaving them to handle whatever the world throws at them on their own and leaving them to go faster than they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of childhood trauma to take in because, yeah. because eventually they grow up and sometimes we don't even know the dynamics of how to handle a proper relationship or friendship. Because we've been so damaged by, maybe damaged isn't the right word, but kind of traumatized by, you know, things we've seen, things we've been through. It's a lot when you grow up faster than you're supposed to, faster than your peers, where you don't have that, if it's to call safe childhood, if that makes any sense. Um, so yes, he's just trying to be there for, your kids, male and female, ask them how their day was. It's not all the time deep, deep conversations. Um, as much as you care, especially on the fertility aspect now, as much as you care that you want to see your grandchildren, you know, it's safe or rather it's better for you to ask after their well-being rather than throwing it in their face all the time that you know, what's the process, um, 
what's the progress how is it going this is that that would you give me a grandchild blah, blah blah you know i'm getting old you know stuff like that so please parents um take it easy on your kids and to aspiring parents as well thank you for that thank you so much um, yeah, you're doing great by the way and your your questions are so wise and even your ad libs and the things you're adding to them so so wise how i should commend you on that great job thank you <laughs> <laughs> um okay i don't really want to go too deep into this but i think this would probably be my last very deep question okay um now of course there's a lot that comes with that comes with going through these issues um they are no joke they could take a toll on you physically emotionally and mentally and all this i'm saying is from i won't call it first time experience but from what i have seen amongst people i really care about and have you ever experienced or no not have you ever experienced that isn't the right word to use but more like how because i know you've experienced this could you shed a little bit more light on how you were able to overcome those so to say dark moments um <laughs> yes <laughs> so to say you'd call it those dark moments because and then how was it for you and your husband closer together because mm. i know going through these things it's not easy to stay married for this long yeah because i think actually from what i know what i like to think it puts a strain on the relationship at some point so at some point you probably will forget to date each other you forget to love each other like you're supposed to if i'm correct but you know i would just like to know what are the challenges you have faced and how have you been able to overcome them personally and together with your husband? Oh, um, here's Ma? the truth. There's no overcoming. It's more mm-hmm. like navigating. Because I will not lie to you. There's been since been some rough days. And I'm just coming out of a lull of one. Um, cause we had a pregnancy loss not too long ago. Actually, two months ago, actually. Yeah. It's October now, right? And sorry. It's, which is why this project is almost like a joke. <laughs> what are you doing? I shouldn't be doing this project right now, but you know what? Like I say, we, we move, right? Um, <laughs> The key thing here is just storytelling. And by storytelling, I mean, I have been privy to so many stories of people who have gone through the same issue, who have overcome them, and those who haven't overcome them. And one thing that stands true is without the stories and getting that privilege to get a glimpse of their life, and I, if I didn't do the due diligence of learning from their experiences, I probably would be here today talking to you you know, all put together. Issue with fertility, especially if you've lost children and lost pregnancies, there's a way it changes you. Like, there's a way... 
I say, I think of it like you have lights inside of you. And every time this happens, a light just dims up forever. And then all the bad experiences just dimming your light, dimming your light. Before you know it, it's getting darker in your heart, right? And that yeah. darkness also shifts you in a way. It becomes like a shadow of yourself because it's just shadows, all darkness. And there's one thing that has recorded, if I could do a content analysis of the top things or the top, top things I should consider is you will lose yourself. There's no doubt about it. You will lose yourself. You might become cynical. You might even forget what hope is like. You might forget what it's like to smile or to be happy or to even just dance randomly or dance in the rain or sing or just enjoy life because all you just know is survival mode. You're trying. You're always in a state of trying. Every time you're intimate with your husband, you're thinking, is this going to be the one that will make me get pregnant? And then when your period is like two days of age, you think, oh, maybe this time around. And then your period comes and your heart sinks again. You know, one thing I learned from these women, and this is the part I like to recycle is, find yourself again. I had a, I, I'm part of different communities, you know, for different things. Um, but I was one, which I highly recommend, you know, be part of communities, be, be part of groups of people doing life together based on shared common interests. One of which was um, a group for women who were waiting. And there was a lady who was part of the group. She was in her forties at the time I met her and she had a child in her late thirties. And there was something she said. Her child was about four then, so she was, you know, 40 something. She said she still feels quite as miserable despite being resolved because she had spent the whole wow. decade trying to have this child. And by the time the child came, she was still in grief. She could never just enjoy the moment. And when you hear someone like that telling, because on face value, you say, oh, at least you have one, right? Why are you sad? Yeah. But you don't understand that even for some women who have whose who, whose journey have been resolved, whatever that might mean, either through adoption or surrogacy or whatever, you know, that pursuit of joy is still real. Because when a child comes, they come with expectations. You want to model a new life. You want to be happy. You want to be in the moment. But because you spent a chunk of your life just being in, in despair, how do you switch that back? That's one thing I would like to leave with women today or men listening to this. And so I made a point many years ago that even when I'm grieving, I don't want to stay there for too long because I know what it can do to your brain chemistry. I know what it's like to feel like you're dangling between wellness and depression. And I know when, how it's like to just look in the darkness because it's it's almost like whenever you're happy, people don't like seeing you happy. Why are you happy? Yeah. You know, why are you happy? Why are you, why are you, why are you posting yourself? Why are you, why are you traveling? Shouldn't you be working on your, not trying to get, um, you trying to get pregnant? Like people don't even like seeing you happy. They think your happiness is a cover up for some rules. Let people be. Let them be. Because I know so many people that have hidden in the shadows. They are still in that closet of shame. They are so ashamed to like come out and just live life because for every time they're happy, it's like, whoa. Is there something for you to be happy about? So that's why I would like to help women through this project. Get themselves back again. I had to resume some of my hobbies. Podcasting, writing, traveling, sharing stories. It was little joys. Taking back little joys. And before you know it, the little joys are quest to bigger joys. And my husband has been a huge supporter of mine as well. 
and it's helped me through it, even though it's been my factor, by my factor, my, I'm the main major contribution to why we've not been able to have kids biologically. And it's never for once made me feel less than. Even when I've said things that were not so nice about myself in front of him, he's always quick to correct me. You know, I've used, you know, oh, why am I so barren? But like, he doesn't even like hearing that word. Um, even when I was so compromised and I told him, hey, it's okay if you want to go marry somebody else to give you babies. The way he, ch- he, ch- he chastised me and I, I never said that again ever. So I have a strong ally in my husband who's reminded me that I love you more than a thousand kids you can give me. I didn't marry you because of kids. I married you because I, mar- I want to marry you. And even though we're still holding our hope, he's helped me to regain some of my femininity because of this class I have sometimes it's very hard to be intimate because I just feel like I wanted to cover my body and with the most recent one you know when we had the pregnancy loss and I just confessed to him like hey you know this is hard for me and he goes I know the stories behind every scar I know every story behind it. it it doesn't mean anything it means a lot to you I know but I don't see you as that you're still beautiful to me so hearing words like that are very encouraging so for women who are listening to this, find your allies, find people who might listen to you. Sadly, some don't, some might not have that allyship in their spouses or in their family. But guess what? There's a community out there waiting to embrace you, waiting to support you. Do not do life alone. I know what it's like to lose yourself, to, to want to stay away from people, to give up your hobbies, to give up things that give you joy because you just want to punish yourself because you blame yourself for not being able to conceive. But Remember, it's not all your fault. It's not your fault at all. If you've tried, you've tried, you've put your body through so much. It's not all your fault. It's not. That's not what your doctor might be telling you. So come back to the light. Let's uplift you. Let's, you know, provide you with the community you need. I've heard it all. I've spoken to so many women, and there are many women part of this um, fundraising community who are willing to hold you and mentor you and coach you and, you know, revive you to life again so don't do life alone that's what I would like to say and then finally would be in your path perhaps adoption is in your path perhaps it's donor eggs perhaps it's surrogacy explore it to your level of comfort don't just give up on it it might not help happen the way it might happen for everybody else we'll have different journeys in life so find out what works best for you even if people around you don't agree to it they don't support it whatever works for you and your spouse please you know, seek that to the very fullest. That's what I would like to add to as well. I can only imagine how difficult it is to have this conversation, but I'm so, so thankful and grateful to you for being so open about this because not many women or couples talk about <clears throat> talk about their challenges, talk about this yes. challenge to discuss it because I see it as I see it as a challenge. I see it as a bridge to cross, but a very long bridge. Um so yeah, I think I would really just say thank you. Do women have been, you know, for I don't know if it's, I don't know what motivated it, but lately there are women coming out more to talk about what they've been through, what they are going through. And I'm so grateful to you for having this platform to share your story and to contribute to women 
and supporting them going through this as well. Um, so one last thing before we thank you. This out. Thank you, by the way. Thank you for your questions. They've been very meaningful <laughs> and thoughtful. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, you mentioned community building yes. and therapy as ways to cope. Um, I was many others, but the thing is, in retrospect, that um, it's kind of difficult to have a community, or rather, to join a community regarding this, because sometimes it's almost like it's a taboo to talk about it, and sometimes it's to some women depending on you know their personality and their story they may feel like it's sort of shameful in a way but actually having a community or building or joining a community really helps so how would you like to encourage women or couples to join this go through therapy um and aside therapy and community building what other in-depth advices do you have for them everybody needs therapy <laughs> if you've gone through covid i said therapy is good everybody needs to be in therapy if you've gone if you survived covid, <laughs> COVID years, <laughs> yeah, even just someone you can chat with um therapy is very great i mean that has been very helpful um we didn't really dwell much on this but by virtue of just trying to conceive there was a time where my husband and I were not in a very good space and at point at the point sex felt very transactional like you're just timing it to get pregnant and imagine just the pressure it puts on a man to kind of like whip it out and you know <laughs> follow the calendar <laughs> and and then this is the time at, at the back of my mind just for like oh this is wasted sperm like Every time you would try, we're not even getting pregnant. Why are we even bothering? You know, and then you will have questions like, are you just having sex with me because you want to get pregnant? You know, <laughs> and then just having to enjoy your marriage again. Therapy has been very helpful. And so seek therapy, not just for even the couple dynamics, because there's some trauma you bring into your marriage as well. Like if you've lived with any family member, there's some childhood pack baggages. There's a color trauma baggage you're bringing. Your spouse have their baggage as well, and then imagine those two things just you know, colliding. Yeah. Uh, for a very good chemical reaction, but you know, seek help. I, I, you know, highly, highly recommend that. If you even find a fertility specialist, that'll be great. I've done therapy the formal way of one-on-one. I've been to group counseling, hearing other women talk about their struggles. Oh my goodness. This is why I feel so much bored in front of the mic because those stories, people have deposited so much in me. It would be really wrong of me not to share that, right? And so this is one of the reasons why I'm very open about, you know, to, to a degree, because again, I'm still going through this. But if I can use my story to help someone to know that they're not alone, and for someone that looks well put together and well accomplished like me, to still be going through this pain, raw emotions, you know that it's something that can really decimate people. So again, um, also providing space for women to grieve, to feel supported, to feel loved and to feel heard. So I highly, highly recommend that. Now, what that mechanism would be start bringing your hobbies back. So for me, um, when I slowly started remembering that I was losing myself, 
it was important for me to start finding ways to walk back to joy because I want a model for my daughter, not just resilience. You know, she's going to learn down a lot, but what is like to seek what brings you happiness, right? So she sees us traveling. We take her traveling with us. She sees me podcasting. She's been to work with me. I, um, she sees us, you know, doing, um, like, um, dinners, hosting dinners for our communities. And we take her around, you know, with students, international students. So she's experiencing a lot of what brings mommy and daddy joy. We love playing pickleball. She's been to the court with us. Um, she's, we take her swimming as well. So all those little things, that was where, how I had to prepare myself as a mom before I became a mom. And even despite doing all of that, I'm still working through some of my own issues as well. So I don't, I mean, she's going to pick up some bad things for me as well. There's no, um, because the good and the bad will go together, but I want to make sure she's learning more good stuff, right? And so for women, I want you to build yourself back up because we're, we're givers. We're naturally givers. We give so yeah. much of ourselves away. So much so there's nothing left. Okay. This is the time for you to start taking some strength back and building yourself back up. Do not be intimidated. Seek what brings you happiness to the fullest. I'm not doing it selfishly, but don't feel ashamed about it. I work hard and I play hard. I travel a lot. I go on vacations. I find things that bring me joy, you know, and, and this is what I would like to recycle to women or even men who are going through this. Find your way to back to joy. It's very important because those are things that will help you become a better parent. You don't want the child coming and already stressed out. You don't even have that outlet to release some steam. So yeah, that will be my final point. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Hawa. This way. Such amazing um, advice. Um, lastly, this is the last one, I promise. <laughs> um, how would you like to tell people or ex- explain or you know, show people ways and mediums they can use to support people they know, women, couples, husbands going through for safety challenges. How exactly can they offer their support and help? Well, that's the question. Um, Well, one is donating to the cause for this fundraiser. And then sharing this episode as well to them. By the way, yes. (laughs) Um, Sharing this podcast episode, and then just picking up the phone and say, you know what, hey, um, because so some things we do, how like like helping them be comfortable in sharing your joy, right? Um, So take for example, around me now, I've had pregnancy announcements from friends, and. I'm in a better place now where I'm able to handle that. But for some of my friends, I like how they even involve me in that process. Like, guess what? You know, and it's done in different ways. There's no one way of doing it. But to be, to feel like you're involved in it and you're not lonely, that's one way. Especially if you have like close friends, if that matters to you. And then, um, maybe just inviting them to like regular stuff. Now, don't overburden them and have make, making, going all the way and saying, let them plan your baby shower. Like, if they're not in that space, please don't do that. And listen actively than say. Remember, the advice you're giving them is nothing new. All your teas, yoga poses, sex poses, crossing your leg after sex, or <laughs> putting your leg over. They've heard it before. They've heard all the chants, all the prayer. They've yes, heard it before. Listen actively, right? And respect their privacy. Infestance is a sensitive topic. You see a woman gaining weight or losing weight. Don't go, ah, when is the baby due? Mm-hmm. And I got that a lot. I'm sure when I've had surgeries or when I've had pregnancy losses. Oh, you're gaining too much weight. 
I just lost a pregnancy, but I, you wouldn't know that. And then I go back home and I cry because now I'm reminded of my weight and I'm reminded of the loss I had, right? Resist offering those solutions, okay? Um, respect their choices. Do not shove adoption down their mouth. I'm one of the strongest anti-adoption people you know. I don't throw it on people like that, you know, but I'm very open to talk about my experience. It came with a lot of anxiety, you know. Offer them hope, but avoid those false reassurances. Ah, you know, uh, it is well, or God will do it. We know God will do it, but eh, if you don't have anything to say, just keep quiet, you know. Check in regularly, check in on them. Um, so I, I get a lot of anxiety going to the doctor's appointments. I do get that. Um, it's usually a sore point for me. And I, I, I have a friend who I always tell whenever I'm going. So she calls me afterwards because I'm always, I'm always in tears afterwards. She'll call me, how did he go? And she walked me through it. Sometimes I put her on the speakerphone and she listens in, you know, especially when my husband is not available. So this is kind of practical. These are some of the practical examples of how you can support spouses who are going through this. Yeah, empathize and validate their emotions. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for that. And I hope I hope this is I not even I hope. I know this will be of help to so 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 many people. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing tips, insights, and so much more. Thank you for having me do this. <laughs> you did pleasure. great. You did great. And, and I loved your questions. They were so unconventional. <laughs> you should you, you should host this more, by the way. You should you should do more no, podcasts? Yes, yes, yes. Good idea. You're gonna be hosting more of this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's so, so natural. Is everyone say, Oh, I can't play basketball and they're three four pointers? That's why you just pulled uh, the house. Uh, for real. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, I'm not so good. And then bam, I'm like, wow, look at those questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I would say it's because low key I've kind of always wanted to have a podcast, but it's mm. like I don't know how to go about this. Do I even need to? Because there's like a podcast pandemic going on at the moment. Everybody has like, a podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is like people are literally losing the soul essence of. of having a podcast because you you listen to some podcast episodes and you're wondering what is going on here what are you talking about but yeah i think i'll just yes just like i said yeah thank you so much i hope and i pray people learn so much from this especially for people who do not know what to say to people it's not all the time you have to say what you think in your head yeah. You see a woman gaining weight or she has big tummy and the first thing you're saying is, oh, you're pregnant now. Please don't do that. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't do that. You could just, you don't even have to even comment on just how. Wait. Like, like a fart, it's, it's to show itself out. Like if you're farting, Honestly, everybody will, you know, pregnancy, really, we can't hide it forever. Just wait nine months later to see. <laughs> really? It's, you would find out eventually if she is. You don't need to know. If, and if you're, if you're in a circle and you feel like you're entitled to that information, she will tell you when she's ready or they will tell yeah. you when they're ready. So yeah. please be sensitive of other people. Um, and for women out there going through this, I think Mo has literally said everything there is to say. But I would really just like to say to take it easy on yourself. That sounds like an easy advice, but it's very, very difficult. Yeah. 
Yeah, so try Thank to you. take it easy on yourself. It's definitely not a it's not an easy journey at all. From you know, you're always deciding when and when when to behave and when not to behave. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, having high expectations and then your expectations are being I don't even know the words to use. I've been disappointed all over again. And it's like, when is this ever going to end? Mm. But I really just like to say, take it easy on yourself. Um, just as she has said earlier, living the moments with certain things, um, build a community, make new friends if you can, find new interests, things you love doing, occupy your mind. Yes, once in a while, the thoughts will come crashing down like like a tsunami literally but yeah it's just please take it easy on yourself Mm -hmm. um and whenever you need to speak to somebody anybody please reach out to your close friends and families and if they're not available you could use a hotline a mental hotline um in your district your area your country your town wherever it may be and just pour your heart out Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the of the More Civil Podcast and essentially on our facility project. Please do not forget to contribute and share your stories. Please feel free to reach out to share your stories. We'll be more than happy to share them on our platforms. Um, you can send us a DM at the More Civil Podcast. And you can also send us an email at talktomorewithcivil.com. Thank you so much for having us. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you, Hala. And thank you for all you do for the podcast, by the way. It's been a pleasure working together with you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Wags. An right. amazing journey. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you, you have did a great. Time, by the way. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll see you on the other side, okay? Yes, wow. Bye. Bye bye. Say me hi to everybody. You did great. All right, sure. Bye bye. Bye.